Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Luke chapter 24. I want to look this morning at the story we get on Sunday evening after Jesus had risen from the dead on Sunday morning. Um... And he comes in a way where he hides his identity from these two disciples. One of them, we get their name, that's Cleopas. The other, we don't know. And this amazing story that uh, has just been such a blessing to the body of Christ for so long. Let me read it, the whole thing for us, and then we'll talk about a few of the points that, that I would like us to look at this morning. Verse 13, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then they said to him, or he said to them, Oh, foolish ones! I wonder how many times Jesus would say that to me if he was speaking in person. And slow of heart to believe in all the, that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, as they drew near the village where they were going, and indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? On the road, and while he opened the scripture to us, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. It's an amazing story. It is Sunday night, Sunday evening where these two gentlemen who are confused, distraught, confused by their own 
personal ambitions rather than reading the Bible in the Old Testament for what it actually does say. It has always amazed me the power of the mind to control what we believe about the Bible. Most people prefer to believe what they prefer to be true concerning scriptures. And we see this as an example time and time and time again through the disciples, the 11 mentioned, the two even mentioned here. And if you've ever heard a pastor say that these disciples, including the 11 and even the 12, uh, Judas Iscariot, who's dead at this point, he hung himself um, early um, uh, Friday morning before even the sun rose. As Satan entered Judas and they conspired together to turn Jesus in, he walked out in, in, in the night um, during the upper room supper, uh, the last supper, the upper room discourse, and he entered into an eternal darkness. He would never see light again. Um, these, these guys are deceived because they wanted Jesus, as it mentions here, they believed something, an aspect about the Messiah, and that one little part of, of this aspect they believe concerning the Messiah, and that is that he would redeem Israel from Israel's enemies, clouded everything about uh, the whole picture of who Jesus was, what he was going to do. He wasn't just going to redeem Israel. In fact, all those prophecies that Israel focused on in the redemption of Israel was the physical aspect of the redemption rather than the spiritual deliverance of their own personal sin, the redemption that they needed. And these prophecies that they focused on are still prophecies that have not completely been fulfilled, that will be fulfilled in the future. Um, some of it's been fulfilled. In 1948, Israel became a nation. That is a prophecy seen in the Old Testament, books like Zechariah and, er uh, and Isaiah. But we get something here that I believe is very important for us for the, for the next five, ten minutes to, to focus on. And then we'll get into four points concerning the resurrection. Today's message, very unique. It's called The Resurrection. That, that's my title. I came up with it on my own. But before we get into the four points concerning the resurrection and what it, what it should do for us in our minds and our hearts, notice it says that he, beginning at Moses and the prophets, expounded to them all the scripture concerning Jesus Christ. So for the next three or four hours... Jesus went from Bible, Scripture, to Scripture, to Scripture, to Scripture, mentioning all the Scriptures that concerned the prophecies concerning the Messiah. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His redemption, salvation, sin being defeated, uh, uh, death being defeated, the grave being conquered, all these things that they did not believe, that they missed. But he expounded the scripture. Now, for those of you who are members of our church, you know what we do here. Those of you who've been members of other Calvary chapels, you know what we do here. We expound the scripture. It is the foundational distinctive of the Calvary chapel movement. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by by book. If, if, you've, if you've been in Calvary Chapel for any period of time, you've heard that said many times. Now, though there are good churches that don't make it a common practice of Bible exposition, let me say that the most important thing in all the world is the truth. 
There is nothing more important. There's no asset greater that you possess than truth itself. Winston Churchill said, the truth is so important and so powerful that it's often surrounded by a bodyguard of lies. So the, the idea is before you get to truth, for those who are seekers of the truth, those who desire to knock, those who desire to ask, those who desire to seek and to know what real truth is, you will be encountered with a lot of lies before you get there that you have to sift through. And the only way you can sift through truth is the word of God. You can have an IQ of 165 and know nothing about Christ. Interesting fact. You guys know um, Roy Atkins? Roy Atkins, he's Johnny English or Mr. Bean. It's amazing how some things translate overseas, like Rocky Balboa and Rambo, it came over to Africa. You guys know about Rambo, right? I mean. Daniel Day-Lewis, nothing. <laughs> Rambo and Mr. Bean, he just cracks us up. He, you guys know Mr. Bean. He has an IQ of 165. It's a higher IQ than, than, um, than Albert Einstein. He's a genius, and he's an atheist. Doesn't believe in God. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Your intelligence or good looks, and if you guys are like, yeah, that's right, you, will never lead you to Jesus. Never. It is the objective revelation of God's word spoken and expounded to you where you have the light switched on as you grope around in the darkness of this world. So if the most important thing is truth, and it is, and the only way that we can have the revelation of truth is the Bible, and it's the only way, then the most important thing that anybody can ever do for you is to expound the scriptures all the way through it. So it doesn't become a question on whether or not Calvary Chapel's foundational distinctive is the best way to do church. It is the most biblical way to do church. And it's an interesting history when it comes to Bible exposition. The Dark Ages, if you guys, uh, some of you know history. The Dark Ages were a result of the light in the world being covered up and hidden under a bed or a bushel. That is to say that the predominant faith that uh, a religion in the world was the Catholic religion. Um, when Constantine in Rome, after years, uh, decades of um, persecution, killing Christians, uh, emperors like Nero, who was just a, a, a morbidly sycophantic crazy man, dipping Christians in wax and tar um, and, and, and hanging them on poles, and lighting them on fire during his orgies and parties while people would scream up at these Christians burning in the flame saying, you are the light of the world, mocking them. After all of that, and by the way, through all of that, the church flourished. Millions of people got born again. Things were happening. And then this Constantine, this agent of Satan, I believe, Satan had to try a different method. He noticed that this persecution was only fanning the flames of revival. And he tried a new method, though he rather enjoyed watching Christians being mutilated and tortured. He would more rather enjoy them being mutilated and tortured eternally in hell. So Rome through Constantine, made the Christian religion the official religion of the Roman Empire, which was the most powerful empire in the world at the time. And from that, you get the Roman Catholic Church. And during that time, they didn't break down all the temples 
and false uh, uh, gods and their statues at the temples. They just redesigned those temples instead of being like the Old Testament, tearing down and rebuilding. They turned the patron gods that the Romans and Greek, the Greco-Roman culture, Roman culture worshipped, and they made them patron saints. And they started worshipping Peter. They started worshipping Polycarp. They started worshipping the apostolic successor called the Pope. And what this Roman Catholic did predominantly, I'm not saying that every single one of them weren't born again, so please hear me, but this is a historical fact. They hid the scriptures, and only the most educated who spoke Latin, Greek, Hebrew, read Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, could understand what the Bible was saying. And the world went into millennia of dark ages or let's say, uh, uh, centuries. The Dark Ages are very profoundly ages where biblical illiteracy was at the highest point it could be in the world at that time. It wasn't because there was technological Dark Ages. It's because there was biblical illiteracy. And then you guys... These guys who were coming from the Catholic Church, they were getting born again, like Martin Luther and Wycliffe and Tyndale. They started translating the Bible into common languages, German, English, and all these languages. And then the plowboy, Tyndale would say, Wycliffe, the plowboy now can read. Those who are the common workers, they can read from themselves. They don't have to listen to the priest lied to them at mass talking about all the penance and all of the giving that was getting their family out of purgatory. All lies. And because of that, a reformation happened. It's called the Protestant Reformation. And, and because of this, the Roman Catholic Church killed millions of people to stop the word of God to be translated into common language. Listen, you don't have a rich history if you're a Catholic. I'm just saying. When it began to be translated, the people were so excited. Protestant Reformation, millions of people were getting born again, again, through persecution, but most of all, through knowing the Bible for themselves. That something, a common practice happened amongst the churches. Puritans, um, reformers, the Bible began to be expounded from Genesis to Revelation. This is a fact. People went through the scripture verse by verse, book by book. This was the common practice, the majority of practices amongst Protestant churches in the world at the time. And over the Protestant Reformation, let me tell you, the revival of the Reformation really ended, and you can trace this back, about 150 years ago, when Bible exposition ceased to be the norm for churches around the world. A movement started amongst a few denominations, became very popular in most Baptist denominations, called the Sunday School Movement. Sunday school, through worldly wisdom, I believe, was, okay, we have visitors coming to the church, and we always have visitors, by the way, on, on, at Calvary Chapel, and because of this, there are people who are not saved in the congregation, and we need to have our main service on Sunday morning, a service that is evangelical, and so the whole three points and poems, which I love points and I love poems, so don't hear me wrong. You know, um, roses are red, violets are blue. We need the Bible. I need the Bible and so do you. I love poems. But the Sunday school went happened and it was a smaller service of people, adults by the way, it wasn't kids, that would gather together before the main service and that's where... Bible exposition continued while the main services in these churches ended with sermons rather than Bible exposition. Let me tell you something. Historians, scholars have traced this back to the very decline of the church today. That when the Bible stopped being preached 
explained, expounded like Jesus did here, divorce skyrocketed, drunkenness, teenage pregnancy, rebellion. It is a statistical fact that this happened. The word of God is more power, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's powerful. But when it's not preached, when the Genesis account is not taught, when the fall of man, the choosing of Abraham to bring out the Messiah, all these things, we will lose the power of God in the church. I'm telling you right now. It is not just a good idea, and that's why Calvary chapels do it. It should be the model of every evangelical Protestant church and really any church in the world to go through the Bible. I mean, how could anybody even argue with such a thing? Even with the statistical evidence of the decline of the church after Bible exposition did not become the norm. Jesus expounded the scriptures to them. You guys have felt it before, some of you. You grew up in churches, a lot of sermons, some of it probably good preaching. Some of it bad preaching. I was part of a movement that I'm blessed that uh, they helped me out. I was living on these dorms for 15 months and we went to chapels. They constantly talked about the baptism over the Holy Spirit, which I believe we should be filled with the Holy Spirit upon us and in us. But they said the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. And because we had so many services with the same people, you started to learn the people who weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was one of those losers who was not speaking in tongues. I'm not kidding. I'd be walking to chapel service. I'd be like, Josh, you're going to get it today. We've prayed for you. We had an all-night vigil for you because we know you're struggling. Like, I was a new Christian. I was like, oh... Yeah, guys, I hope I get it too. I, I knew the Lord loved you more than me. <laughs> Just, I'm a loser. All the things I've done, I knew I couldn't get it. That was, that was my thought back then. It's like, man, I knew it. I knew the Lord didn't love me as much as them. I, I, I became so desperate that one time this guy came and started teaching people how to speak in tongues he's like all right just come if you don't speak in tongues get in the line and i and i got in the line i was like yeah and i come up he's like and i, I get to the front and he says repeat after me and i and i did listen guys i was i was confused and then one day because it wasn't a practice at all to expound the scriptures in this movement I heard some good sermons. This man showed up. He's my pastor now. He began to expound the scriptures. I'll never forget it. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Hours of Bible study. Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2. Five chapters in a few days at a spiritual emphasis week we were having. Guess what happened to me? I got baptized in the Holy Spirit because the Word of God was taught. And my heart burned within me for the Scriptures and for Jesus. Burned. Your heart will never burn within you unless you know the Bible. Never. To the degree that you know the Word of God is to the degree that the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in your life. So the resurrection. The resurrection brings clarity, first thing. These guys, they're walking, Jesus, boom, appears. It doesn't even seem odd to them. It's like, boop, there's a guy. Hey, hey, why are you guys sad? What, what, what are you sad looking? And they, they come out with their emotions. They're very emotional. They're confused. Things are happening in their life. All of their plans have been disrupted. All of their dreams have ended. And this guy's like, hey, what are you sad about? 
<laughs> you know, I don't know. They look at each other like, look, get a load of this guy. What are you, a stranger in Israel? You don't know what's going on? You don't read the paper? The Jerusalem Daily? Come on, Jesus, this famous guy who we believed to be the Messiah who is going to redeem Israel has died. And now we got a lady from our company. Some woman who should be in the kitchen is spreading rumors. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I wouldn't think that, ladies. I, I, it's their culture. Jerks. <laughs> they said that he's alive. And then actually people showed up. They can't find his body. And after they said, you don't know what's going on, Jesus like, what's going on? A good teacher, a good discipler will always ask those whom he's teaching or discipling questions. Because when you ask a question, rather than just teach people all the time, this is a good practice for parents too. When you begin to hear your people talk and they begin to hear themselves talk, they can be able to articulate what they believe. It comes out. They hear it as well. It's really good for learning and education. See, oh, what news? What's going on? Ah, here, he doesn't know. And they told him. And then, after it all, he says, you foolish ones. <laughs> oh, you know he's so kind when he says it, though. Hey, you foolish ones. That's, foolish means to be empty. To be empty, you, 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 you're empty of the knowledge of Christ. You're slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And he expounds to them the scriptures that would prove that the Christ ought to suffer and enter into his glory. So the resurrection brings clarity because after Jesus rises, and guys, we don't know why the Lord withheld his identity from them, but I suspect it's for this reason. I suspect that Jesus Christ hid his identity, it says that he did, that it was hidden from them, and my suspicion is because he wanted the word of God to be the teacher rather than the person and presence of Christ. Now hear me, Jesus is the word, don't hear me wrong. But it is not the physical presence of Christ that's going to give us the revelation of Christ, it is the teaching of his word. So I believe he hides his identity briefly and momentarily so that this foundation can continue to be established by Christ that was also established by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. That the blood of men's is not in my hand because I fail not to teach the whole counsel of God. And it's... It's him hiding his identity so he can say, guys, the word, you should have known it. This is a rebuke in love. This is a rebuke in love, but he's saying, hey, I have given you every single reason to believe through the scriptures exactly what was going to happen the last few days. Do you guys remember the tearful entry. Some refer to it as the triumphal entry. Jesus is weeping. He begins to weep when they say, Hosanna. Hosanna. You know what Hosanna means, right? Deliver us. Deliver us. Da, 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 da. I'll leave that to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, but you, you, it's a song they sang. Hosanna. Even pagan Hollywood people are, Hosanna, deliver us. He begins to weep because they have no idea what kind of deliverance they really need, and they're asking for the deliverance of the oppression of a government. We talk about the government all the time, don't we? And I do. I, I'm guilty. Don't give it. Aren't you ever tired about it? What about the oppression of your sin that's in your life that God wants you to be delivered from? 
with the constant, habitual, sexual immorality. That you have the power to be delivered from through the resurrection of Christ. What about the constant, habitual pride? No one can say nothing to you. Every time you're rebuked, you're defensive. Years ago, before I actually owned a vehicle, like a, a four, four-wheeled car, I had a, a Peaky Peaky. You know that one that's like 100 cc's? You look, you know, through town. So pathetic. I was going through a lot of culture shock. The, um, the driving, I was shocked by it. I, I, I actually, I've been hit by matatus three different times while driving down the road on my Peaky. You know, one time I fell off the road, the other two I managed to stay on. I, I started, I, I, I became bitter. I, I really did. I was bitter with the people. I was angry at times. I, I would kick Matatus. <laughs> I brought Rungu in my bag and I, I had it opened just enough. I could pull the Rungu out. I broke off. Listen, I'm not going to tell you everything. This one particular time, this car, it wasn't even a tattoo, this car swung over and hit me on my bike. Well, he, he, you know, he didn't mean to probably, even though he's still very careless, but traffic was ahead, so he had to stop his car. I was not walking in the spirit, so I got off my picky and I, I went to his car, and he locked the door but rolled down his window, so I thought it prudent to drag him through the window, and I, and I shouted at him. I said, what are you trying to kill me? I dropped him. Thank God I didn't punch him. And I left. And I got to tell you, there was a, it was a scene. There was people around town who, you know, there's no, Africans can form a crowd faster than any people group in the world. <laughs> and for the rest of the day, trust me, it was not like, yeah, I showed him. I, I was so humiliated with my actions. So embarrassed, you know, I just wanted to wear a mask. Too bad COVID didn't happen back then. Hide my identity. Said, Lord, if I ever see that guy again, I'm going to ask for his forgiveness. I was walking through town like four hours later and I saw him. And I started running to him. And he saw me running to him and he's like, ah, you know. I was like, no, no. And I asked him to forgive me. And I, and I bought him a little soda. <laughs> and um, it, for the Lord to give me that opportunity. I needed to be delivered from my pride, from my bitterness, from my anger. And the Lord is always faithful to do that if we're willing to submit to his power, the power of the resurrection. What do you need to be delivered from? I suspect it's much more than the oppression of the Kenyan government. You need deliverance from you. The resurrection brings clarity to what we really need. Oh, we don't need just deliverance from a government for the nation of Israel to be redeemed from its oppressors. But do you remember when they're going in? They're yelling Hosanna when he's sitting on the donkey. He begins to weep because they want their will to be done and not his. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, in regards to having clarity and the scriptures... In Luke chapter 19, and please follow me on this. The Pharisees, because the disciples, it gives us a little more details in the gospel of Luke than in John. And in John 12, which is the triumphal or tearful entry, in Luke 19, the Pharisees say, you tell your disciples to be quiet. Because the disciples were worshiping Jesus as God, the Son of God. And the Pharisee says, you tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus, you remember that famous line? That's why we can confidently sing that song today. Just 
asked the stone that was rolled before the, you know, the grave. And, and so he said, if they do not worship me, the stones will cry out. And you, <laughs> Jesus starts talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he says, and you, if you knew the times that you were in, you would have repented, but now you will be cursed and your children will be cursed and Jerusalem will be destroyed and the temple will be destroyed because you did not know the day of your visitation. A very interesting thing that he says. Now, follow me on this. In Daniel chapter 9, when Daniel goes down to pray, Gabriel comes to him. And he gives him a prophecy. He said, from the time that the rebuilding of the temple goes forth, there will be a set time period for the nation of Israel. There will be 70 sevens. And 70 times seven is 490 years. There will be this much time before the temple begins to be rebuilt. Seven sevens. 49 years, and from that time, there will be um, this many sevens that will equal 483 years, and from the time that the building ends, start counting the days, I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time, count the days, there'll be 183,494 days for when the time the Messiah is cut off in Jerusalem. So mark your calendar. And, and, and Sir Robert Anderson in his book, The Coming Prince, does all the math as he combines the Jewish calendar with our modern day calendars. And on Nisan the 10th, 183, 480 days after, Jesus is riding on Monday morning into Jerusalem. And he looks to his to the Pharisees, and he said, you're cursed because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the day I told you I was coming. <laughs> That's a mind blower. In other words, what we believe the Lord is saying in Luke chapter 19 is I gave you the exact day that I was coming into Jerusalem. You should have put it on the calendar. Should have put it on the calendar. Do you know there is so much detail in the Old Testament in regards to the death, burial, and resurrection that they should have been standing outside the grave having a party waiting for him to be resurrected because it said three days after in the Old Testament? Don't you know, you foolish ones, that Jesus Christ ought to have suffered and then resurrected to, to rise to glory? Don't you know this? In other words, there's no excuse that the average IQ Bible Old Testament reader should have known exactly what was going on. The question is why they don't, and not just why these two disciples don't. Why is it that collectively most of the world, there's only an indication in antiquity, other writings that maybe some believed Daniel's nine prophecy concerning the Messiah. Why don't they know? Why doesn't the general population, probably, if not 100%, 99% of all people, have no idea what's going on concerning Jesus Christ? It's plain as day. Old Testament, Jesus indicates here they have no excuse not to know. Guys, it's very simple. They are blinded by their own desires. They're blinded by their own ambitions. They can't see Jesus clearly. And if he would have remained dead, we would have never seen the scriptures clearly. Clarity comes from the resurrection. From the resurrection, a God who is alive. Buddha's bones are buried in a temple somewhere. Muhammad is dead and in the grave. 
Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. And he brings clarity. Okay, listen, I've died. I've been buried. I rose again. You know who I am. And now you must forsake your will and follow mine. I've earned it, he said. You've been blinded by yourself. Oh, how sin blinds us. How the prosperity gospel has blinded Kenya into believing Jesus Christ is a means to get what you want rather than the end of all meaning of our life. Jesus Christ is not our puppet, He is our Lord, He is our Savior. He is God, and he is boss. The resurrection brings clarity. Secondly, the resurrection brings focus. It says that our hearts burned within us. This is a few-hour Bible study, people. They're not losing attention here. Jesus is bringing the, the, the explanation of Scripture and their focus now, all of their dreams, all of their plans turned upside down. The plans of rising from poverty, rising from the pain of oppression from the Roman government. All destroyed. Now they're left with this person who they don't know expounding scriptures, and their hearts burned within them. They were focused. That's what it means. They were, our hearts burned within us. Do you guys remember, as I shared early, do you remember the first time you started hearing a lot of Bible being taught? Do you remember when your heart started burning within you? It wasn't just a sermonette talking about how you can improve uh, your relationships by influencing people and expounding your borders. Yeah. Golly, I, I, are you ever tired of it? Are you ever tired of watching t Kenyan preaching television or any American preaching? They they're, they're hopping around the stage. Yeah! God's going to expand your borders in 2022. You said that in 2017, and I'm still struggling. It's like every year. This is the year. Listen, stop it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Today's the day of salvation. So, you ever tired of hearing about expanding borders? Don't you want more? It drives me nuts. You know they don't go into Nivis speaking that way, the way they speak on stage. Why do they change their voice? Where's the Ugali? You know, none of that. None of that. I don't mind some preaching sometimes, raising the voice, but do it in your voice that God gave you because he gave it to you. Yeah. Maybe it would be, listen, maybe that's okay if they were preaching the scriptures, expounding. That's all right. Their hearts burned within them. They were focused. Why do you come to church? Do you come to hear God's word? There are some who stay on Facebook the whole time I'm teaching. And by the way, I know who you are. <laughs> we have deacons who can see that you're on Facebook. Now, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're just glad you're in church. Maybe you'll get saved one day. But for somebody to stay, listen, I don't want to get too legalistic, but I would offer the suggestion for you to stay on Facebook the hour that the Bible's being taught indicates you don't love the Bible and may need to repent. Is that too much? Guess what? I don't care because it's true. Maybe you come for decent reasons. Maybe you're single and you've heard the rumors that there are a lot of pretty single ladies at Calvary Chapel Eldoret. That's a decent place to meet a lady in church, right? It's better in Club TMT. Ladies, maybe you come. You, it's like I, I keep hearing ladies say, what's wrong with these guys? 
They're, not, they're so immature, they don't even want to get married. Listen, you guys, it's up to you to initiate relationships. Uh, they're waiting. Listen, I don't care if a lady feels so much pressure from her family that's ungodly pressure. You can, you can win women's hearts, men, through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and just a little bit of charm. Just some practical advice. Take care of it. The resurrection brings clarity. Do you remember? Do you remember the times where your heart burned within you when the word of God was preached, expounded? What was Jesus saying? Hey guys, don't you remember Genesis 3:15? Don't you remember the fall? The first two human beings that fell and what, G- what God said, <laughs> what I said to the serpent. I said, I will put division between her seed and your seed and he shall crush your head and you will bruise his heel. What do you think the bruising was? Hey, do you remember when I chose your father Abraham and I said all the nations of the world would be blessed through his seed? What do you think that meant? You think it was Laban blessing the whole world? Or Esau? Or even Jacob in his own inherent glory? No! The Messiah would be born through this seed. Hey, do you remember in Psalm 22 when I gave a perfect medical description of crucifixion before crucifixion was ever invented? What do you think? Do you remember in Isaiah chapter 7 when I said that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us, God with us? Hey, do you remember in Isaiah 53 when when the Bible says that he was bruised for our transgression and chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed? And it's not talking about physical healing. It's talking about being healed from our spiritual condition of sin and we could have salvation through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Do you remember? And their hearts started burning. burning. Their focus was kept. The resurrection Lord gives us focus on his word and not focus on our own ambitions. Thirdly, the resurrection gives us the chance to hang out with Jesus because he's alive. And he wants to do it on Sunday night as well, by the way. They're talking on Sunday night. It's after church. (laughs) He already had church with them on Sunday morning. Remember he appeared in the room? Like, oh, you know. They had church Sunday morning. They're having church Sunday night. They're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you for one day a week or one morning a week. He wants to go with you to work. He wants to go with you home. He wants to go with you to your bedroom. He wants to go with you to uh, your family's house. Jesus wants to hang out. We get to hang out with him because of the resurrection. We get focused because of the what? We get clarity because of the what? The resurrection. And guess what? Fourthly and lastly, we get to be witnesses because the resurrection. They went back to Jerusalem. And they said, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And he told about the things that had happened on the road and how they had known, uh, and he was known to them by the breaking of bread. Remembering the cross gets us to see Jesus more clearly than we have as well. Another Bible study. It's like, guys, you won't believe what we just heard. Do you know in Genesis 3 what it was really talking about? Do you know in Psalm 22 what it was really talking about? Do you know him choosing Abraham, what it really meant? Do you know in Isaiah when it talks about that was literal? He told us, he told us. It's there. A Bible study happens. 
And God has been offering the world Bible studies ever since from faithful witnesses, not just from the pulpit, but in your homes. The resurrection, we get to be witnesses because of the resurrection. How can you hide talking about our God and Savior who's alive? Can you imagine if I never wanted to talk about my wife? Ladies, wouldn't that be, what if you came up and, and, and you're like, hey, how's Kelsey doing? Ah, I don't care. We don't talk about her. Like, oh, really? Why? How's Kelsey? Well, let me tell you why. Because I don't really like her that much. <laughs> She's a bag. <laughs> I don't, can you imagine how offensive that would be? <laughs> why don't we talk about Jesus more? Are we Are we ashamed? Why? Do you think people are going to stab you in the neck if you mention the name of Jesus? Even if they do, it's worth it. Most people won't, by the way. And we need a whole other kind of witness. It's like, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. All right, God bless you. See you. No, hey, do you know Jesus is risen and he wants to spend time with you today? Do you know that? And they're like, what do you mean Jesus wants to spend time? It's like, hey, man, he speaks to us through his word. And you just begin to share the things of scripture. The most important thing you can do for somebody is expound the scriptures to them. Not just me to you, but you to the world. So we get to be witnesses because of the resurrection We get to hang out with Jesus because of? We get to have focus because of? And we get clarity in our lives because of? And it does even way more than those four things. He's alive. I pray that you can see the world and yourself for what it truly is. I pray you can see Jesus for who he truly is, a God to be obeyed, not to be used for our own personal gain. And I want to bless you on this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for coming. Lord, thank you for the privilege to worship you in this, to be reminded of the resurrection on this Sunday. May you be forever glorified and cleanse us of our sins and deliver us unto holiness, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.